Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist at the Tuscaloosa News and the weekly co-host of Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, who's been the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com for an awfully long time. Talking Tide podcast, of course, brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Our Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Get links to all our podcasts right there. Just give us a follow on Twitter, and of course, you can get the podcast wherever you prefer to get them on Apple Podcasts. You can also get us live on YouTube or Facebook. I want to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly. Locally, I want to thank Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, as always, for sponsoring the show. Also, North River Dental Associates with Dr. Jack Smalley. We'll tell you about them a little later in the program. Corporate sponsorships include DraftKings and Raycon. We'll tell you all about them later in the program. But, Travis, we open things up. Taking a look back on the Sunday nighter at Alabama's narrow escape from Texas A&M, 24-20, the final score. And uh, really, this is two big escapes in the first half of the season now for Alabama, but very different escapes in that one was – I'm, I'm comparing Texas and Texas A&M, right? One was mm-hmm. on the road. One was at home. One was pulled out with the offense on the field. The other was pulled out with the defense on the field. One was pulled out uh, with a comeback. The other one was pulled out by hanging on to a slim lead. Uh, so very different, but regardless of the circumstances, two very, very narrow victories. Yes, very, very narrow. The Texas teams have made it interesting for Alabama here in the first six games. First half of the regular season gone, by the way. How about that? Um, Look, you got your backup quarterback in there. You know, you kind of wondered how Jalen might handle a full ramp up during the game week as compared to just being thrown in there like he was against Arkansas. Sometimes that can go both ways. Sometimes guys – uh, go into panic mode in the situation like the one he was thrown into Arkansas. And then the following week, they're a lot better because they've had the week. It almost seemed to work the other way with Jalen. But, you know, look, you, 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 you're playing your backup quarterback. You're minus three in turnover margin. You, you take it against an A&M team that certainly has had its struggles playing what at the time, has been its backup quarterback, although Haynes King was the starter to open the season. And, uh, you know, you just you just got to hope that Bryce Young's ready to go because what you got coming up next, I know we'll talk about that more midweek, is it's the real potential for a shootout. There's no question about it. I wrote about that on Saturday night that Alabama could be headed into a, a shootout with Tennessee, and if that's the case, uh, the offense has got to take some big strides, whether it's Milrow behind center or Young. Uh, but we'll start with Milrow. Obviously, three turnovers uh, on the downside for Milrow, two fumbles, one interception that was that was a bad interception. He finishes 12 of 19 for 111 yards, three touchdown passes. He, he did stick it in the end zone a couple times, three times. And uh, 17 of 83 on the ground. So a pretty productive night there uh, when you consider he took uh, a couple sacks, including a really ill-advised one. Uh, that uh, he could have easily had over 100 were it not for the sack yardage. The guy is a major, major threat on the ground. Um, I, I kind of called for uh, some zone read stuff option-wise for Milrow. 
when we had the the Wednesday nighter preview in this game and, and Bill O'Brien sure enough gave him some of that. Uh, I probably would have liked to have seen e- even a little more, uh, but uh, passing wise, he definitely looked uncertain. He definitely was a um, first read and bolt or second read and bolt mindset, um, which you expect, I think, with a lot of young quarterbacks uh, who can get antsy in the pocket. Milrose certainly one of those. But, you know, when he when he gets loose, uh, positive things can happen, too. No doubt. And, you know, we don't want to make this all about Jalen Milrow's shortcomings in the game. Yes, he did have the three turnovers. He could have had as many as five if a couple of passes uh, were were converted by some A&M defensive backs. But he did do some good things with his legs. He made some good throws. The guy threw three touchdown passes in the game, you know, wasn't like he was back there trying to make throws left-handed or something. Uh, it was just some of the decision-making. And you're right. seemed like once A&M was able to get him off his first guy, then it was very much a hesitant Jalen Milrow in the pocket. And you look at those four sacks and you think, man, protection must have been a problem. No, it really wasn't. I don't know if on any of those four sacks it was really uh, the primary problem that that you had on those plays. Um, but also, you know, A&M playing man coverage – uh, because they wanted to account more, I think, for Jameer Gibbs, who still went off uh, in the first three quarters anyway. Um, well, they were able to run off coverage a few times, and that's when Jalen was able to hit him with his legs. But, you know, we heard Nick Saban talk about it post-game Saturday night, too, and I agree. It, it, they had some letdowns in some other areas, really in all three phases. You know, we can talk about the defense being better in the second half and getting off the field uh, in a hold-on for dear life scenario there in the final seconds. Um, But, you know, a couple of those turnovers in the first half, they were not good uh, from Jalen. Any of them were not good in the uh, of the three. But you kind of thought that defense might get off the field with at least forcing a field goal in in the first half. They weren't able to do it. They were able to do it in the second half. And then in Mm -hmm. special teams, you just don't see Will Reichard missing multiple field goal attempts. Uh, it's just the second time in his career that that's happened, but it happened Saturday night. That definitely kept things tighter. Will Reichard missing a couple field goals. Missed one against Arkansas, too. Uh, 53-yarder. So I'm going to give him a pass on that one a little bit. But I know you're right. I mean, you you expect him to make those at this point, right? Right, right. And, and the 53-yarder, if I remember right, was plenty long enough. It, it had the distance. distance. Yeah, uh, it's like the thirty-five yarder Saturday night just stayed out a little right on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, both everything he's kicked has looked good in the air. It's just he's had a couple stay out on him now. On the positive side for Alabama offensively, Travis another big night for the rushing attack overall. Uh, Jameer Gibbs twenty-one carries, a uh, hundred and fifty-four yards. This coming off a two hundred yard performance against Arkansas, so. He's rushed for 360 over his last two games now. Team ran for 288 uh, and uh, averaged 5.6 yards per rushing attempt, which was exactly double what Texas A&M did on the ground in terms of yards per attempt. A&M turned in 2.8 yards per rush. So that certainly made a difference. Now Alabama currently, Travis, third in the FBS in rushing yards per game at 257 behind a couple of academies, Air Force grinding out 300 plus on the ground for you. 
uh, so far this season per game. And uh, Army is ahead of Alabama as well. But outside of those two, Alabama is at the top of the heap when it comes to rushing yards per game. Yeah, remember when there were these sort of milestone numbers for Alabama football under Nick Saban? When they rushed for more than 150 in a game. <laughs> yeah. They're 78 and three or whatever, you know. You know, and then you have a game Saturday night where Alabama outrushes AM 288 to 70, and you're holding on for dear life at the end of yeah. the game. You had 51 rushes compared to 25 for AM. You doubled up. A&M and carries. And when you think about Devon A-Chain and his importance to that offense, I mean, these are all numbers. If I had told you before the game, this is what these numbers were going to look like. You just said, oh, man, I might have to take Alabama and lay the 24 if you're going to give me those numbers. But, Mm -hmm. again, you go back to turnover margin, minus three, and um, some missed opportunities in the kicking game and really some defensive issues there in the first half where you weren't always able to get off the field. As it turned out, taking A&M plus the points was pretty easy money. Uh, I think we both did. Yeah. 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 And you and I kind of called that. That number was just way too fat, especially it really didn't move. If I'm Las Vegas, Travis, I'm, I'm either taking the whole game off the board when I find, well, I guess by the time people knew for sure Bryce Young wasn't going to play, it would have been too late to take it all the board because because it was a game time decision. However, I'll put it this way: when when Bryce Young's availability was came into question, you either take it off the board at the beginning of the week and just and just eat the uh, volume, you know, or uh, you you drop that line big. You drop that line a touchdown if you have to. It 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 didn't really move uh, like it should have, in my opinion, for for Young's status to be questionable. I had people middle of last week about the time we were trying to sort through a lot of it in our midweek pod here, asking me for definitive calls, <laughs> and and I'm like, can I check back Friday or maybe right. Saturday afternoon and. I mean, you had to be next-level degenerate to load up one way or the other, really, on Wednesday of last week. Um, So, you know, it was certainly a game timeline. There's no doubt about it. But if you were able to get in late, late, once it became pretty clear that Bryce wasn't going to go, you you probably did okay. Yeah, Milrow said in the postgame that he didn't find out for sure he was starting until Saturday. It was game day. So it definitely went down to the wire. Bryce Young went out there. It's hard. You know, when I saw Bryce Young in the pregame, Travis, tossing balls underhanded back to the center <laughs> in, in, in warm-ups, I, I'm yeah. wondering, well, why is he even in a uniform? And, yeah. then Nick, and But then Nick Saban in the post comes back and says he, he actually asked to, to get in the game. Uh, right. uh, late in the game. So Bryce obviously felt like he could give it a go. Uh, but the, the it's obvious that, that it wouldn't have been why. No. And as the week went on, we wondered about this last Wednesday too, between Nick's coaches show or uh, on Thursday, or maybe some other outlets, might there be some trickling of, of news. And as the week went on, it sounded like it was more of a pain management issue for Bryce and an issue of functionality or uh, his ability to throw the football. Uh, So it was, it seems more of a precautionary measure as the week moved along, but 
yeah, now all the focus shifts to a three versus six matchup that we'll get into here in a few days. And, uh, you know, I would anticipate based on, you know, you've heard Nick talk like this in the past about situations. It sounds like Bryce is trending in a really good direction to play this week. Um, but the game day stuff, that that smelled like Ole Miss 2015 when they went into that game and it was, well, is it going to be Jake Coker? Is it going to be Cooper Bateman? Remember? And Bateman got the start and Coker ended up coming in and, (laughs) And you know, that's the the finish. (laughs) No, no. And that's the last time Alabama was more than minus two in turnover margin in a game. Um, before last night, before Saturday night. And they lost that game at home. That's a, that's a good pull right there. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. been a long time. That's a long Yeah, time. I mean, that's seven seasons, seven years. Yep. Yeah. Before we get away from the offense and turn to defense, Travis, got to ask you, what did you make of the 15-yard penalty on Jermaine Burton in the fourth quarter where he took a shove? He, t- he took a shove inbounds. It might have been late, but he was in. Took inbounds. a couple, it looked then like. Then he took another one, yeah, a second yeah. shove that, that, that pretty much – ran him into the yardstick. He turns around, he retaliates, he draws a 15-yard penalty. He ends up getting a reprieve because the one field goal that Will Reichert stuck was was on that drive. And it was a long one, but that was a that was at the, the time it looked like a costly penalty because it looked like it was going to run Reichert to the to the edge of his range. It did, and I think the optics were just bad by the time Jermaine retaliated because it looked like he had an A&M staffer that had stepped between he and Denver Harris, Mm -hmm. and that just – that's going to get called every time. But you're right. The lead-up to it, Harris had gotten him a couple of times, but it's always the retaliator. You know, We've seen it many, many times. And you're right. Give give Will a lot of credit on that 50-yarder because, you know, we can talk about the two misses – but imagine if he goes 0 for 3. You got A&M uh-huh. down there kicking the field goal to win. Right, right. Instead of needing to get into the end zone. So the 50-yarder was certainly big, and he drilled that one. Yeah, no question. That field goal was absolutely huge. Yeah, you're right. That The retaliator is always the one that catches the flag. Gosh, though, when a guy's out of bounds and he gets shoved yeah. into the yardstick, you'd like to think that if the official was – You'd like to think the official would be paying enough attention to at least toss offsetting personal fouls and, or something and, like that. But but if you're Burton, you're also on the wrong sideline. I mean, yeah. he's on the A and M sideline over there when all this is happening. Yeah. So how do you, if it happens on the Alabama sideline, it it I would say there's a good chance it's probably offsetting, mm-hmm. right? But when it's on the A and M sideline, and you got a coach all in the middle of it, or somebody who knows, yeah, it, it's going to be a one way call, and that's what happened to Jermaine. All right, let's flip it over and talk a little bit of Alabama defense now, Travis. Uh, from that perspective, starts with the pass rush. Alabama was all over Haynes King. Ended up with three sacks, but three sacks doesn't really do justice to the pressure that he was under. Pretty much. Ran for his life all night. I think Will Anderson ended up with eight pressures. And we saw – we definitely – just the eyeball test, there's no question we saw the trio of Braswell, Turner, and Anderson on the field together. Probably more total snaps in this one than, than any other game this season. 
they and they were effective. Uh, I think Turner had a couple of sacks. Braswell had one. Anderson didn't have any, but Anderson was in King's face all night. And uh, you take that and combine it with the way Alabama was able to hold a chain uh, down for the most part. Really didn't allow a chain to break anything long, and that that proved to be a big big difference. It did, and it's another one of those. If I had told you before the game. That Devon A chain was going to have 20 offensive touches for 67 scrimmage yards, you'd have felt really good about Alabama's chances to win the game because he's so integral to what they do on offense. And, you know, give some of those receivers credit. Evan Stewart, former five star prospect, one of those five star freshmen for AM. I think Aggie fans have been waiting for that kind of performance that he had. Uh, on Saturday night, he certainly delivered, but it still centers around A-Chain. So to keep him limited to a long run, especially of 15 yards, and then I think his only kickoff return went for 13, 14 yards, something like that. And then Alabama mm-hmm. made it a point, as we talked about this last week, how would they go about that in, in the kicking game uh, to kick away from Devon A-Chain. And so, you know, even with, the unsportsmanlike penalty that you had on J.C. Latham there early in the second quarter on a, following Alabama's first touchdown uh, and having a kickoff from the 20, they kicked away from A-Chain, and they still got a stop on coverage around, uh, I think, the A&M 30. So that was even a win. So um, it, it was very, very important to deal with A-Chain uh, in an effective way, and it, and they did for the most part. Pass coverage-wise, Travis, I get the sense Alabama's corners really are coming into their own. Uh, We saw Kool-Aid McKinstry probably play the best game of his career in coverage against Arkansas just a week ago. And I think Terry Terry and Arnold played his best game in coverage against Texas A&M. He he was active. He was breaking them up. He he, he wasn't giving up a lot of separation. He did have – a missed interception or at the very least a missed PBU uh, that could have killed a lot of that drama at the end of the game. Uh, So that was probably the biggest negative for Arnold, but look, he was in position for that play. He's a young player. The next time that's a play he probably makes. Uh, But uh, look, the ball came his way uh, on, on the final play of the game as well. And he, he was there to defend that. And uh, he is he's he's grabbed the bull by the horns at that other corner position. I like his bounce back because he was under siege Saturday night. It was pretty clear that A&M was going to work away from Kool-Aid, it mm-hmm. seemed like, for most of the night. And, you know, Stewart had 18 targets in the game. And if, if, if I'm thinking about it correctly, uh, it seemed like most of those came with Terry and Arnold on him or to his side of the field anyway. And so um, he did bounce back. He, he had his ups and downs, but, you know, as much man coverage as you're asked to play at Alabama, that's going to happen. You know, he gave up a 43-yarder to Stewart where he got beat off the release. He gave up the 23-yarder where 50-50 situation, and Stewart went up over him and made a very nice play. And, you know, Tarion had a holding penalty there kind of late too, but – he did have the interception. He did have the pass breakup. He did have eight tackles. So it's just kind of life as a corner, especially in today's football. And if you're kind of underscored in a game plan for an opposing offense, 
you're going to get the kind of action that Tarion got against the Aggies. What you make it? What you make of the DPI that was called at the end of the game to get A and M down there on the three yard line? I believe it was called on Brian Branch. That's a tough call. That's a tough call in that spot. Um, I kind of thought Jimbo loves the tight ends, as we know, and so I was kind of thinking that you know that might be Donovan Green, the freshman tight end in that spot, because we've seen it in the past. You know, Green's touchdown catch uh, earlier in the game, that was some well-designed stuff. It's kind of that throwback to the tight end that we've seen teams use against Alabama in the past. But um, that was the fifth touchdown reception by an A&M tight end in the last five games in the series. I mean, they love them. Third Mm -hmm. different tight end to catch a touchdown pass against Alabama for A&M since 2018. So it didn't surprise me to see them work right down the middle of the field to Green. At first, I thought it was a blown call, but then from the opposite angle, you can see where Bryant's got his jersey mm-hmm. running with him there at about the goal line. So it is a tough call in that spot. But, um, you know, I think the flag came from the same guy who probably called the personal foul on Jermaine over there on that side of the field too. First pass attempt of the game for Texas A&M, deflected by Byron Young. Travis, <laughs> you uh, asked for him. We I, asked I, for him. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to get shed a little credit for that and talk in Ty's direction because I asked Saban about it. So, you know, the, the issue went – the issue began on talking Tide. It was relayed in the, in the Naylor Stone media room. And then it was executed and acted upon. Uh, Jaheim Otis had a had, had a breakup later yeah. in the game as well. Yeah. <laughs> finally, finally, our call was answered. But um, now that was good to see, especially early in the game. And uh, you know, it was it was an active night for pass breakups. Brian Branch had a couple. Terry and Arnold, uh, the lineman that you mentioned. Um, yeah. There, there were opportunities for for not just uh, defensive backs, but but a couple of big guys up front. And, you know, you need more of that because, let's be honest, there's not a lot of sack production coming from those guys right now. So if they can get hands in passing lanes and at least cause incompletions and maybe it, even better to cause takeaways by doing it, the more the merrier. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving on, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors now. We're going to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates. Former Alabama linebacker Jack Smalley can tackle every sort of dental need you or your family might have with a well-trained staff of dental hygienists. North River Dental can handle porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, the laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, and the always popular teeth whitening services on a routine cleaning. He's going to get you in and out the door, typically in under an hour. Conveniently located at 1100 Fairfax Park. It's right by West Alabama Pediatrics. You know where it's at, right off of Watermelon Road. And uh, they're also doing, of course, Botox and Juvederm treatments to tighten up those facial features. If you'd like to make an appointment at North River Dental for any of those needs, Call 752-3506, or you can go online and make an appointment at northriverdentist.com. It is North River Dental Associates. 
Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Big, big weekend uh, in its wake for Peterbrook Chocolatier with Texas A&M in town. And I know Heather and the rest of the crew certainly want to thank everybody who made the stop by the shop over the weekend and going to be there moving forward. Been there for 16 years or so, 15, 16 years. So I uh, got the... Uh, Got the Boo Bark making classes that you can sign up for. You can make your own Halloween Boo Bark at nice. Peterbrook Chocolates here. Just give them a call at 205-752-0211. Also have ladies' night dipping classes. So a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff you can literally get your hands into at Peterbrook Chocolatier. 205 205-752- 0211 out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Going to tell you about DraftKings now. The NFL action is in full swing at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team and win, uh, excuse me, get $200 in free bets if they do. You can't beat that. You want to make things even sweeter, sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you download that app now. Use that promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym, and you'll get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place just a $5 bet on any football game. Again, that's promo code TPPN only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And finally, going to tell you about those Raycon earbuds. You can't beat them. I've owned a pair for uh, six to eight weeks now, I guess it's been, and I just can't put them down. The look, the feel, the sound is all fantastic. Uh, the in-ear fit is great. Optimized gel tips and eight hours of playtime. Also, you're going to get 32 hours of battery life, and it's about half the price of other premium audio brands. No wonder Raycon Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 online five-star reviews. Uh, go by, go to buyraycon.com. That's the website, buyraycon.com. Today, use the promo code TPPN15, and you will score 15% off of your Raycon order. Once again, promo code TPPN15, and you'll get 15% off. Be sure to do it uh, and uh, get yourself some of those Raycon earbuds. They are tremendous. All right, Travis, we're going to close things out. Looking around the SEC, always a fun and enjoyable portion of the Wednesday nighter. Uh, we'll start, obviously, with Alabama's next opponent. Tennessee going down to Baton Rouge and clubbing Brian Kelly's team 40 to 13. This Tennessee offense is showing no sign of slowing down uh, against an LSU defense that came into the game ranked third in the league in defense. Travis, it's been it's an impressive win for on the road for the Vols. Yeah, Josh Heupel is absolutely delivered on in his area of expertise, which is offense and you know, that tempo, the pace at which Tennessee plays, and the fast starts. And this is a team that week in and week out, really since Heupel took over from day one, uh, hits you early. It's all in Tuscaloosa last year, right? First half of the game against Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, Tennessee exhibited those uh, explosive attributes. So that's the challenge, I think, for Alabama this week, first and foremost, is, you know, feeling good about what you're in defensively because they're going to go so fast that you're not going to have a chance to substitute for extended stretches. Um, and, and then just also defending the deep ball. They love to spread the field and then let Hendon Hooker either run when he wants to or when it's designed to go that way. And they have good backs too, Jabari Small, the rest of their backs. Um, but their wide receivers, other than Cedric Tillman, who's been out with the ankle injury, have really stepped up. South Carolina, 24, Kentucky, 14. That one was kind of eye-popping. I know Will <laughs> Levis wasn't able to go for the Wildcats. Disappointing, though, Travis, I think, for UK to drop that one at home, regardless of who was under center. That one started bad for UK. They come out with the backup quarterback, try to run this, like, double reverse off Christian Rodriguez, off a handoff to him, then they're going to hand it to wide receiver. It gets blown up. South Carolina returns a fumble down to about the two, scores the next play, and it was it was uphill from there for Kentucky. So you got a sellout crowd at Kroger Field, and people are excited even coming off the loss to Ole Miss, and uh, that's a tough one. I You know, I just look at Kentucky in recent years. I think they've been – legitimately SEC caliber at the lines of scrimmage. I don't think there is much this, this season anyway. Finally, uh, I got to talk about Mississippi state's game against Arkansas. That final score 40 to 17, Travis will Rogers becomes the SEC all time leader in career completions in this one. And I saw, I just glanced at this. I didn't research it, but if I, if I saw this right, he takes this crown from former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray in like something like 12 or 14 fewer game, career games, for goodness sakes, than Murray. Uh, that's a full season. <laughs> and, it uh, is. It, that's yeah. unbelievable. It tells you a it lot. But I, get, I get it, the air raid. I get it. But right. still, that's, 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 uh, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, you've got some extended handoffs that go as passes, go as completions. Uh, in that offense, but it also goes back to, you know, Rogers as a freshman being able to get his feet wet. A lot of that was in Tuscaloosa back in 2020 uh, in that game. That's when it really started to turn towards him at the position. He is, he's made improvement each and every year. And um, that was impressive, man. And, and defensively too, I, I've said it before about Zach Arnett, the defensive coordinator at Mississippi state. And I give Mike Leach credit for this. He understands that he needs to keep Zach Arnett in Starkville for as long as he possibly can. And then yeah. from the Arkansas perspective, you know, it felt like in the division Saturday chase, felt like some crumbling already starting to take place yes, in the West, it whether it was Arkansas with that loss or A&M again, LSU, LSU, Auburn, um, feeling like you know, we are not even to mid-October yet and some teams are already in dire straits in, in that side of the league. I turned in my SEC power rankings for the Tuscaloosa News around noon, like I always do on Sundays, Travis. And my top five, I had Georgia one, Alabama two, Tennessee three, Ole Miss four, Mississippi State five. Are you buying or selling Mississippi State as the fifth best team in the league right now? You got to Right know. now. Right yeah. now I am. And – 
Mississippi State's kicking itself big time because you look at LSU and their performance against uh, Tennessee Saturday, and you're thinking, if we just don't let that second half and Baton Rouge get away from us against a really average team, yeah, Mississippi State's in here, you know, undefeated. You know, and Arkansas, Arkansas too, by the way, has to go to BYU this week. How about that? For a mid-season road trip, non-con. Let's go to Provo. Yeah. Arkansas's tackling is so bad. And it is so bad. I mean, even their is. best players aren't aren't getting it no. done. Just 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 making stop. Just stop. Bumper I mean, Pool has like seventy four thousand career tackles. How many yeah. of those are assists? I mean, I'm not look good college player. God bless him. Great name, but yeah, rough. rough. It's rough. Uh, Pro Football Focus, which of course has a co- has a whole college platform. Yeah, uh, I looked it up today. Pro Football Focus is is uh, grading Arkansas's tackling as uh, like 105th in the FBS and and worst. In and the SEC. even and if are. you are a couch jockey for one of those type of outlets doing that grading, I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So. Yep. Not pretty. All right. That's nope. going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us on Wednesday night when Travis and I. Uh, break down Alabama's next game against Tennessee. We'll be previewing the third Saturday in October with the Wednesday nighter for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.